Live at 5, Sports at Tide and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. The Timberwolves, Jim, have the best record in the NBA. They're three games clear of everyone else in the Western Conference. Still most of the season to play yet, but man, through 20 games, 16 and 4, and really, you know, I know Anthony Edwards, a lot of people are, have been trying to anoint him as the, you know, it's his team, but not so fast, says Carl Anthony Towns. He's really having a good year. Well, Towns is having a good year and Ant's team. Both things are true. Um, Anthony Edwards is their best player. He's the most talented player. He's the player with the most upside. Uh, They kind of run the offense through him when he's healthy. Uh, I think it's great that Towns has been unselfish enough to not fight against that and that he uh, was pretty dominant when Anthony Edwards was out. I mean, that's what good teams do. They Mm -hmm. have enough different ways to beat you that they're not completely dependent on one person. Um, it's Edwards' team. They're building everything around him. The fact that Edward, that uh, Towns has uh, been a good teammate to both him and Gobert has made that fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Gobert talked about how Towns welcomed him with open arms and has been incredibly unselfish. And, you know, Alan Horton says the same thing when I talked to him, that really nobody on the Timberwolves on, on the court sacrificed more of their game than Carl Anthony Towns did when they acquired Gobert. Yeah, he was an all-star center, and he moved to power forward and let, let Gobert have the paint and kind of tailored his game to, to making Gobert fit in. And, and that, one of the many problems they had early last year was that Towns was too unselfish. He was mm. forcing the ball to Gobert in places that Gobert probably as we know now, probably shouldn't get the ball. Uh, and so it's, it's also helped this year that Finch has said, okay, simplifying things, this is what we're going to do, and everybody's found it much easier to adapt to their role. But, listen, you know, Towns has become a scapegoat for Timberwolves fans. He's, he's, you know, number one pick, and he was supposed to be the franchise savior, and he wasn't the franchise savior. He's just a good, he's just a good player who isn't a superstar. Um, but I think the criticism really went over the top on him. And I also have run into so many people who have just assumed that he's a bad guy or assumed that he's selfish or assumed he wouldn't fit in with these other guys. Uh, he has a lot to prove still as a basketball player. He's going to have to prove he's a good playoff player. He's going to have to prove he can defend good teams in the playoffs. He's going to have to prove that this, this kind of success is sustainable for this group. But it's never really been a personality problem for Carl. It's just a basketball problem. Yeah, and and uh, certainly not a, a teammate problem because they all seem yeah. to love him uh, in that locker room. Your column last night was about Carl Anthony Towns. That's why I, I mentioned him to you. You draw an interesting comparison to a baseball player from the past. Yeah, so when I was covering baseball, I spent some time talking to Bill Bavese, the Angels general manager. I was a young beat writer, and I tried to get to know people on other teams as much as possible. And I was sitting in Angel Stadium, whatever they called it back then, talking to Bavese about his outfield news, and you know, he said, yeah, we got a really good player coming up, Jim Edmonds. I had to tell my scouts to stop watching him. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, well, no. And he said, let me explain. Uh, of course, everybody's going to watch him when the ball is in flight and he's playing center field. Everybody's going to watch him when he takes a, his at-bat. But I had to tell my scouts to stop watching him between at-bats or when he's sitting in the dugout or when he's having a conversation. He's, he's got a weird facial expression. He has bad body language. And too many of my scouts have assumed that he's a bad guy or he's lazy or he doesn't hustle. But if you just watch the way he actually plays the game when the ball's in flight, he's great. Mm. And we need to, you know, that's what really matters. And I just, I think if, if Timberwolves fans would, you know, put aside the things Carl Anthony Towns might say on a podcast that makes them mad, or put aside him flailing his arms when he doesn't get a call, um, 
and just watch the way he plays the game, I think they would like him a lot more. Uh, Memphis tonight, they've had their own issues. Their star, John Morant, has had his own maturity issues. He's in the midst of a suspension still. I think it was 25 games, is that right, Jim, to start the year? Yes. Uh, And so another five left on that yet. So there's a young team that kind of imploded on themselves a little bit. They can regain it, but right now Memphis really struggling. Yes, and it's, you know, especially in the NBA, more than any other sport, when you build around a star, that star better have the right personality, attitude, sense of responsibility. You know, Anthony Edwards had a couple of hiccups, but in, but in terms of how he treats people in that locker room, how he responds to coaching, he's been exemplary. Uh, John Morant, you know, they, they started flashing guns. They told him don't know it anymore, and he kept doing it. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the NBA. Yeah. Spectacular. Uh, but he is very immature, and it's really scary when the franchise is relying on an immature individual. Yeah, so it'll be Desmond Bain tonight. Uh, uh, you know, they, they got rid of the one guy who was kind of a pain in everybody's side. Uh, they didn't like him there either, I guess, uh, those with that team. Now, this is a Memphis team that when Morant was playing last year and they were playing well, you know, they like to talk uh, about their game, and other NBA players were ready to shut him down when the things that they were saying didn't really happen. Yes, and they have they have good pieces. You know, Jackson's a, a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bain is a really good player. He had a huge game the other night. But when they don't have Morant kind of just destroying people in the paint and just tearing up defenses on, off the dribble, they look they look just like a mediocre NBA team. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta have a star, and you gotta have the right star. And right now, they're without their star, and we're not sure how it's ever going to look, even when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings getting set to play in Vegas uh, against the Raiders, and uh, Justin Jefferson will be back in the lineup. There will there be uh, a pitch count on him or anything, or is he full back? We believe he's going to be full back. Mm-hmm. Now you know they're going to be sensitive. They're going to be watching him. If it looks like he needs a breather, if it looks like he's a series off or a playoff, they'll give it to him. But they're certainly helpful that he's he's full go. And you know, I, talking to so many athletes over the years, even in my minor. Uh, athletic career, you know, I always felt like the first, it is different playing game speed and Mm -hmm. getting jostled and getting hit and dealing with people who want to kill you. Mm -hmm. And I would guess that first, sometime in the first quarter, he's going to, he's going to be completely out of breath and then he'll get a second win and it'll be football and it'll be fine. But there'll probably be a point sometime in the first half where you just can't catch his breath because it is, you can't simulate game speed. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, nonetheless, he'll be out there. I I would think that could only help Josh Dobbs uh, with some things with having Jefferson out on the field. Well, it should help him, A, because he has Justin Jefferson, and B, because Jefferson forces other defenses to be somewhat predictable. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're either going to have to double him or they're going to have to play a safety over top, and it's pretty hard to disguise that. And so Dobbs is going to be able to go to the line of scrimmage and say, okay, Jefferson, the way they're lined up now, I might be able to get to him, get the ball to him with the play that's called. If not, I know that Addison or Hawkinson is going to be singled. So it should simplify the game for him. You know, I, I hadn't really wanted to Google and look up what uh, compartment syndrome is until Jordan Hicks said, don't look it up. Uh, so I'm going to have to look. I didn't realize that was so serious. Uh, doctors yeah. told him he could have lost his leg. 
Yeah, it's really scary stuff. Uh, I've run a few athletes through the years who've dealt with it, and it wow. is scary. Uh, uh, I think if you, you know, if you catch it in time, you have good medical help, you should be okay, but it's a scary injury. That's for sure. You know, those trainers at NFL stadiums, boy, they have to be first responders and be right there. I mean, you know, life-threatening or well-being-threatening uh, things happen during the course of not just games, but in practice. I remember when Teddy Bridgewater blew out his knee. They said that if not for the trainers, he could have lost his leg. Yes, uh, the Bridgewater's in serious trouble when that happened on the Vikings practice field. Uh, and, and it's a brutal sport. And it, it struck me last night. I'm watching the Wild game, and I'm, I was reading through NFL injury reports as I was watching the Wild game, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. here are all these NFL teams just – and the NFL has gotten much better, much better about player safety, concussion prevention, concussion treatment, concussion, uh, recognizing the severity of concussions. Of course, one of the reasons they became ser- more serious about it is because he got sued so often for not caring about it. Right. But the NFL is better now about that. And then you watch a hockey game and two guys drop their gloves and punch each other in the face 18 times. It's yeah. so stupid. I just I can't believe in 2023, 2024, we still have people just giving each other concussions voluntarily. Yeah. So a fight in the game last night. I did not see any of the wild game. What else did you see from the wild last night, the first loss under Hines? They actually played really well in the first period, and they didn't get rewarded because they couldn't finish. They couldn't get a goal in. And so after that, you know, Vancouver got the lead, and Vancouver was a good team, uh, and they just kind of squeezed the wild the rest of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Is that Hines kind of re-energized this group. He got them going in the right direction. But they're going to have to score goals, too. Yeah. You know, it's not just about energy, and it's not just about defense, it's not just about chemistry and all those other things. You have to put the puck in the net for those things to be rewarded. Now, let's face it, Kaprizov has not been that dynamic. Yeah. He's, still very, he's still very capable of making the, the beautiful, quick pass that opens things up for his teammates, but he's not scoring himself much, and they really need him to do that as well. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.